Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hello, America, and happy Wednesday. The fallout from the raid at President Trump's Mar-a-Lago compound is still being felt across America. A growing number of Republicans standing in solidarity with the former president demanding answers, which is, what could warrant such an extreme action? That's the question actual senators, even people who haven't always agreed with the president, former President Trump, Marco Rubio, very strong. Mitch McConnell came out very strong. Name a House member, they came out very strong. A really extraordinary moment in American history because the stated reason that we now have up in there that there might have been some leftover classified documents at the compound that the GSA had wrongly gathered up doesn't seem to merit what the response was. Much like seeing Peter Navarro in leg irons for a misdemeanor or people like the Veritas founder, James O'Keefe, being put in handcuffs in his underwear outside his home. The sense of the crushing power of the state of big government thugism is becoming more and more real to conservatives. They feel like, they see like, and they're beginning to produce both visual and actual evidence of a different standard in America. And that's why in a Trafalgar poll we had up on the site, go check this out, folks. This is amazing. Eight in 10 Americans, that can't be conservatives only, right? Eight in 10 means a lot of people on the left and in the center. Eight in 10 Americans believe there is now a dual system of justice in America. That is devastating to the future of America, to the constitutional republic that we are. Extraordinary moment. We're going to have a great conversation with two great minds today. First up, Congressman Austin Scott from Georgia. I love having him on. He's going to give us his reaction to the raid and what we're learning about it and the state of the FBI, something he's worked on as a member of Congress. And also, I, I want to give him due credit because he was the first congressman of anyone I talked to in the government, particularly in the Congress, particularly to raise the worry that the post-pandemic inflation supply chain crisis was hurtling us towards an international food crisis. Now everybody's saying it. The UN Food Bank, the United Nations, Russia, Ukraine, people in the Biden administration, we are there. And I'm going to get an update from him because he's been studying it and pressing it enough to know what it is that's the problem. We're going to get that conversation going in a little bit. And then second up, we're going to have Mark Morgan on, the former acting commissioner for the Customs and Border Protection Agency. Now, normally we talk all border with Mark because of his extraordinary record and, and perch that he had in government. He calls it like he sees it. But a lot of people don't remember this about Mark Morgan. Before he was at the Customs and Border Protection Agency, he was an FBI agent for two plus decades, including rising into the executive ranks. I think he got to the level of assistant director. He has a lot of thoughts about the FBI he saw on display at Mar-a-Lago on Monday. We can't wait to get him to talk about that. And he's, you know, he's an expert on what we call the DIAG, the official manual of conduct that FBI agents use to govern their thing. That's why they go to Quantico and get trained as special agents. They have very clear procedures and rules designed to protect civil liberties. A lot of concern about what that looks like on a daily basis. That's what agents gauge themselves against. It's how they decide to deal with cases, how to handle everybody so that every person gets treated the same. Mark Morgan's going to take that diag and apply it to the President Trump uh, raid uh, on Mar-a-Lago Monday. And we're going to find out if it met 
the rules that the FBI holds itself to. That's going to be a fun exercise. It's going to be a great show all around. All right. With two great guests like that, we're not going to waste any more time. We're going to jump right in. We'll have a quick commercial break here from our great partners here at John Solomon Reports and AdjustTheNews.com. And we'll come right back. First up, Congressman Austin Scott. Second up, Mark Morgan, former head of the Border Patrol Agency. We'll have both of them back to back right after this. Hey, folks, can your IRA or 401k stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is right at our doorstep? By allocating a percentage of your retirement into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from a turbulent market and economic downturns. All you got to do is put your IRA back on the gold standard. With a multi-trillion dollar trade deficit and ongoing geopolitical instability, experts say now is the time to make the switch. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Protect your retirement today with one simple phone call and receive your free gold and silver guide from my good friends at Genesis Gold. To do that, call Genesis Gold Group today at 800 200 G-O-L-D, gold. That's 800-200-GOLD. And find out how you can add precious metals to your IRA. One more time, let me give you the number. It's 800-200-4653. gold Or visit them at genesisgoldgroup.com. Genesis Gold, welcome to the John Solomon Just the News family. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bike, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Always excited to have this next guest on. We get news. He gives us straight answers. And he's usually on the top of the most important political and security issues of the day. He is Congressman Austin Scott from the great state of Georgia. Congressman, great to have you back on the show. Hey, John, thanks for having us. It's just a little over 24 hours now. We've been able to absorb the extraordinary news of the raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago campaign by the FBI. Still a lot of facts to be gathered before we know what really happened. But your initial takeaways from watching what happened in the early fallout today. Yeah, there, there are a couple of things here. One is I cannot believe that this actually happened in the United States of America. Uh, the idea that the Justice Department would send the FBI in. Uh, to uh, the previous president's home and and seize uh, whatever it is that they went in there to seize. And so I'm I'm, I'm taken back at the actions by uh, the Justice Department. Now, uh, the other thing that that I'm a little taken back by is President Biden saying that he didn't know anything about this. I, I simply I simply don't believe that President Biden was not informed of this. And if he wasn't informed, then it's proof that, you know, one of the concerns that many of us have had is, you know, who's actually making the decisions in the White House? Because because somebody at the White House would have known before the FBI would have carried out a raid on uh, the former president's house. It's just not something that um, that would not have been discussed in, in, in the White House, I don't believe. So. You know, John, I got a text from a friend last night, and the, and, and the question was, can you believe this? And, and my response was yes, and and here's why I can believe it, John. I'm, I'm from the state of Georgia, and uh, Jody Heiss is one of our members. 
Uh, the Fulton County District Attorney is trying to bring him before a grand jury, and will ultimately, I think, bring him before a grand jury uh, because of what uh, he did in, in in Congress. And uh, whether you agree with what Jody did or didn't do, the fact of the matter is, as a member of Congress, he had the right to bring, um, you know, a, a resolution that would have uh, not allowed the, the Georgia ballots to be counted. And so, so I. I, I just I'm I'm baffled that there is not more discussion in the news about these attacks on our democracy and the threat that it is to our democracy. And instead, what you've got is CNN and MSNBC and these others that are uh, are, are showing pictures of a piece of paper and a commode. That John, all that proves is that there's a piece of paper in a commode. It doesn't prove that it's President Trump's signature. It doesn't prove that it's his note. It doesn't prove that it's a classified document. It doesn't prove anything other than there's a sheet of paper in a commode. And so, you know, I'm I'm a little taken back that as serious as these issues are for our democracy and, and the future of this country, that the left wing press is just giddy about it and and showing pictures of documents in a and a toilet. Yeah, basically supposition journalism, which we saw all throughout the Russia collusion case. So I guess maybe we're getting desensitized to it, but it's wrong. And there's so much rush to judgment. Today, there are members of Congress, Jay Powell, others who are actually stating that President Trump should be arrested immediately. They don't state the crime. They just want the opposition leader to be put in prison. It seems like we've lost our senses of what made this country different from all the others. Do you think there's a moment where both sides will have a moment of introspection and say, you know what, we've gone a little too far. Let's get some oxygen and try to figure out what the heck's gone wrong here. Or do you think we're past that point? Well, pay, payback never works, John. I mean, if, if you any of us can go back and look at our lives and, and see where we delivered payback. And um, and the fact of the matter is it never works. But if the DOJ has been politicized, as it certainly appears that it has been, then there have to be consequences for those that politi- politicized the FBI. And and look what they did with um, the whole Russia hoax thing. In, no, nobody in this country that pays attention to current events can possibly believe that Vladimir Putin actually wanted Donald Trump to be the president of the United States. I mean, Trump was the one that was holding Putin at bay and as soon as President Trump was gone, look what look what Vladimir Putin did. And so I'm 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 worried about my democracy. I'm worried about my country. And uh, when you see the the punitive actions from the left, and you see no consequences uh, when when they take those actions, and then you turn around and you look at just all of the open source information on Hunter Biden, and and he gets a free pass for it. Because the DOJ would say, oh, well, if we investigated Hunter Biden, that would be seen as being political. And and then you turn around and they take the exact opposite stance with uh, President Trump and his family. So I'm um, I, I was. I was surprised when I saw the news and then the more I thought about it and what what they you know, what they're doing to Jody Heiss in Georgia. Um, Nothing surprises me at this stage, John, with with the left taking whatever action it takes. The ends justify the means for them, and that's a dangerous spot for us to be in our democracy. It is. You know, there's a term lawfare that used to be referred to as a tactic was used in banana republics and in dictators. And it was, you know, weaponizing the law to go after your enemies. It's never been used in American history until recently, a couple of years ago, a left-leaning pundit created a site called Lawfare, and it's sort of encouraged and dialed in on these cases where you know, there looks to be a political element to them. The weaponization of the law, whether it's a perception or a reality, it seems to tear at the fabric that keeps this country together. Do the people of this country, do they have a say in this? Are they able to put this genie back in the bottle in some way? Yeah, in November. I mean, it's a... Uh... The only backstop to this is for the Republicans to control the House uh, and and hopefully the Senate. But if, if if one party is allowed to control the House, the Senate, and the presidency and conduct themselves the way this current Democratic Party is, then there's no accountability at all uh, for them. And so, 
you know, what's got to happen in November is, is people have got to go out and vote and and create a backstop to this madness. And if if the Republicans control the Judiciary Committee, uh, that gives us the ability to actually have uh, a full investigation of the facts where I expect the Democrats will be allowed to have their staff and their members, uh, as has always happened up to and until this past uh, cycle where Pelosi decided to do uh, commissions and other things where, where she picked the Republicans uh, to be on on the committees. And, and that's just not that's just not a square deal for the American citizens. And it and you would only do that if you wanted to cover up the truth. Yeah. And Americans are so perceptive. I think one of the funny things that elitists do in Washington, they think the American voters stupid. They are not. They know that the adversarial system is key to an honest hearing. And they know that this is a kangaroo court. And that's why they didn't tune in. And yet the Democrats keep doubling down on it. It's fascinating to watch the disconnect and see how it plays out. Obviously, the solution is to vote and get the right situation. How do you think everyday voters, those people you meet out on the street in Georgia, how do you think they're reacting to this news? I think there is a very serious uh, distrust with the government as a whole. And, you know, John, I, I candidly think it's, you know, it's the fact that the press is not objective anymore. So if you if you turn on CNN, they're going to tell you one thing. And if you turn on Fox News, they're going to tell you something else. And MSNBC seems more like a Saturday Night Live skit to me than than a, than a news channel. But, you know, Americans want the truth. And so Americans know when they go to the grocery store, uh, they're paying more for the groceries and they don't see any relief in sight. They know when they go to the gas pump, they're still paying significantly more than they were uh, 12 months ago, even though the relief is, is nice that we've seen over the last couple of months. But uh, inflation has not gone away, John. And if you, you know, if, if you keep putting ridiculous mandates on uh, energy inside the United States, uh, where the technology is not there to accomplish what they, what they say they can do, then you're going to continue to see uh, increases in the cost of, of energy, and that leads to increases in the cost of everything we do whether it be uh, heating and cooling our homes or the food we buy at the grocery store uh, or, or the costs on our school systems where our kids go uh, to school. Yeah, really, truly remarkable. You talk about the distrust that a big government has engendered, and it's gotten a lot bigger on Joe Biden's watch. Now he wants to put 87,000 more agents into the IRS. That's going to take money out of the wall. Anyone who gets audited, they're going to lose money because they're going to have to pay for lawyers and accountants to go through this at a time when people are struggling to just make ends meet with inflation. Your thoughts on what this bill that passed the Senate this past weekend will do to everyday Americans? Well, we're now going to have more IRS agents than we have than we have Border Patrol agents. And, you know, that's that's a little baffling to me that they see that as the priority instead of uh, protecting you know, the country from, from what's coming across the border. And, and, and let me assure you, John, I mean, they're not going to audit people who, who aren't at work. I mean, they're going to, you know, the people that are out there every day working hard and, and paying their bills and, and doing the best they can, they're going to be the ones that get audited. And, you know, it, it's a, um, it, 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 it's just disingenuous for them to say that, you know, this is going to somehow, um, by auditing the American citizens and charging them higher taxes, uh, only in a make-believe universe could you could you believe that that was going to stimulate the economy, and yet that's that's what they're telling people it's going to do. Well, well, it's not. I mean, if anything, it's going to make people, the business owners that are out there, and small businesses especially, it's going to make them more uh, risk-averse and less likely to invest and grow in their business than than the current you know economic situation that we've got in this country and so uh, number one thing i hear from from my employers is we need more labor and you know it doesn't matter if they're large small medium uh, where are they going to get the the eighty thousand uh, agents for the irs from i mean they're going to be pulling them from the from the pool of employees that are that are that are current employees are still trying to you know, trying to hire. So I'm I'm not happy about it. 
I, I don't like the way it was done. And there was uh, an agreement that if the Republicans in the Senate would would agree to pass the uh, the Chips Act, then there would be no uh, reconciliation package adopted. And within an hour, John, within an hour of the Chips bill passing, a 750-page reconciliation bill was posted online. So that simply means that you know Chuck Schumer and the Democrats had been lying to uh, Senator McConnell and the Republicans all along. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I think we woke up to, the reality that the wool had been pulled over some people's eyes. As you step back now, we got a lot of other issues, right? We're worried about the domestic issues, the strife, but overseas, the Russia-Ukraine war drags into its fourth or fifth month now. More aid has been sent by President Biden, both to help the government sustain itself in Ukraine and then military aid as well. Your thoughts on the current posture of the United States supporting Ukraine in this conflict? So, so there are two separate issues there. One is the weapon systems, and I, I very much believe that we need to be uh, in a coordinated effort with, with NATO getting the Ukrainians the weapon systems that they need to defend themselves from the Russians. I do not believe the Russians would have stopped the Ukraine, I believe, but for the fight the, the Ukrainians have put up, the Russians would be uh, working through Moldova and working through Georgia at this stage. Uh, they basically already are... Um, already have Belarus. I mean, Belarus will surrender to them. And so, and so I do think that the money in the, and the weapon systems, the money for the weapon systems, I should say, uh, is, is important. And I would go back, John, and remind people that if we had done this under Barack Obama, when they tried to take the Crimean Peninsula, if we had actually given the Ukrainians lethal aid, we would have probably never gotten to the position that we're in right now. So, so it goes back several years in the decision not to give the Ukrainians the assistance they needed under Obama. But I, I'm generally supportive of uh, uh, us giving them the weapon systems to fight the Russians because the Russians are simply not going to stop until someone stops them. And so Ukrainians have done a great job with it, a significantly better job than, uh, than anybody in the world uh, expected and um, no, nobody thought the Ukrainians could hold out against the Russian army for for more than 30 days that I know. And 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 look look where we are now. Um, you know, so we we did have some issues on the grain and the rice moving out. I get I guess you saw where Lebanon actually rejected the first shipment uh, because of it not being timely. John, my thing with the the estimates in. In my discussion with people that, you know, World Food Program and others, is that, is that Ukraine has historically moves about 4,000 metric tons a, a month. Um, I'm sorry, 4 million metric tons a month, 40 million to 50 million a year. Right now they're moving about um, 1.5. Uh, the ships that get out of the Black Sea, John, if you own that ship, you're going to do everything you can to get it out of out of the Black Sea because you've got a dead asset, but you're probably not going to send that ship back in. And and that's where I'm worried about kind of some of the estimates and assumptions that ships are going to be able to transit in and out of that Black Sea. I, I just don't see that happening. I, I don't see how you're going to be able to insure those vessels, and, and I don't see owners of those vessels uh, being willing to allow them to transit back in once they get them out. So still worried about that. Yeah. Next year, if these problems persist like you've been concerned about, and you, you were one of the first members in Congress to really alert the public to what lies ahead in this food crisis, food instability creates security instability. Do you have some sense of what the sure. intelligence community is thinking? What are the concerns about what could happen globally if, if food becomes more scarce? Well, I, I think the concern is, you know, you, if you look at uh, a country like Sri Lanka and the political instability they've had there where they've, you know, pushed the leadership out, um, even when you bring in new leadership, that doesn't necessarily deliver food to the to the people. And so, I mean, my concern is that you have uh, more disruptions like that. If you think back several years, we had the Arab Spring. Uh, that Arab Spring ended up being confined uh, to Egypt. Imagine if you had that throughout uh, a whole region of Africa. 
and so that that's kind of worst possible scenario is that uh, you have a, a a Sri Lanka or a, or an Egypt in the Arab Spring, but you don't but it's not confined to one country at the time that it is spread throughout 10, 12, 15, 20 countries um, in in Africa and in Asia. So I, I do think uh, I, I think that both the State Department and the Defense Department are, are keeping a very close eye on where they see the potential for political instability. Uh, they're, they're, you know, in, in some cases, they're, they're very limited things that the U.S. can do to, to provide that stability. But, uh, you know, you, you think about the things you have to have today, John. You got to have food for one, and you got to have, got to have energy, and uh, those are the two things that that humans just, you know, can't can't go without. Yeah, there's no doubt, and they drive so much of the conflict in the world when they become scarce. So it's a fascinating time. There's a few months left before the election. When you look at your own party, the arguments they're making, the case that they're bringing to close the election, how good do you feel about the policy solutions that Republicans are offering in unison to the American public? I, I feel good about them, John. I mean, look, I mean, pe- people know, I mean, I'm looking at gas prices right now, 329 for unleaded and uh, looks like 433 for diesel. Uh they know that's significantly higher than it should be. Even though it's back down from where it was, they know that it's higher than it should be. They're smart enough to know that Biden is not uh, putting the leases uh, out for the Gulf and, and the and the future supply that we're going to need of, of oil and gas. They they know that dipping our into our strategic reserves and sending those strategic reserves to other countries, and in some cases, they're not even our friends or our allies. They they know that they just it just defies logic, and so I th- I think Americans want that stopped. Uh, Democrats want to make the the race about social issues, and I, I just think that when we go to the polls this year, this November, I think Americans are going to be voting. It's going to be about gas. It's going to be about groceries, and it's going to be a backstop to to the radical Biden administration. And so I think I think Republicans are going to do well. I think we're going to come out on top. And, um, you know, I think I think we come back with a pretty good margin and then we have to govern. Yeah, that's the key thing is knowing not only saying what you're going to do, but doing what you said you were going to do. And that will be the great the litmus test that Americans will be judging the Republicans on next year if everything falls into place. Last question for you. As you look out over the next 24 to 30 days, there's a lot of people watching China, Taiwan, Russia, Ukraine, right. some people worried about Iran. What is the thing that you're watching on the world stage that we should be most attuned to right now? Well, China has certainly, you know, increased their tempo and been significantly more aggressive since um, Speaker Pelosi went to Taiwan. I mean, I, as I said in your on your podcast a couple of weeks ago, I mean, China doesn't have the right to tell the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives where she can and cannot go. Um that doesn't mean that, that going over there uh, was necessarily the best of timing with everything that, that's happening in the world right now. Uh, a little risk aversion can, can save a lot of uh, pain sometimes. So um, they've been much more aggressive with what they've done, John, than I would have expected them to be. Uh, so that is that is the one thing that could kick off that um, – that has the potential to be extremely, extremely bad. The the other thing that is a concern is as Europe transitions into the winter months, uh, where do, where does their energy come from? You know, you know how do how do they have the uh, gas to heat their homes and run their factories? That's that's the the two big risk profiles that I see in the world right now. And I think that the latter and how how you know, Europe is going to handle their energy situation is significantly more likely than uh, to be a problem than than China moving against Taiwan. I, I still there there are Taiwan, there there are islands that are on the Chinese side of of, the, of that strait that the Chinese could take any time they wanted to and and 
you know, they're effectively indefensible because of their proximity to China. And if they ha they haven't done that yet, and that leads me to believe that they that that there's some uh, grandstanding, for lack of better terminology, going on with them and their military right now around Taiwan. But uh, certainly, it's raised the alert levels. Uh, I still don't think they move on Taiwan in short order. Uh, if they do, then corporate America is going to have to make a decision. You know, are you with us or are you with China? And right now, I think there are a lot of corporations in this country that are with China more than they are with the United States. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. They're a moment of choice if this escalates, and it'll be an interesting one to see where they come down. Congressman, it's always an honor to talk to you. I know our audience gets a lot of great sage facts from you and good wisdom. Thanks again for the time, and I wish you a good summer break. I know you get a couple weeks off where you're back home with your constituents and want to wish you well during that time. All right. Thanks so much, John. Have a great day, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got another big guest right after this. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. This next guest is one of my favorite. I love to talk to him about the border, about law enforcement, about all the things going on in this country. He's had such a storied career in law enforcement, from L.A. police to FBI to the head of the border and uh, protection agency. He is none other than Mark Morgan. Mark, great to have you on the show. John, thanks for having me as always. Uh, it's an honor. I want to get to border issues and also the Mar-a-Lago raid because you worked as an FBI agent. You know what it is. But I want to start with some news that just broke a little bit ago. The Justice Department has charged an Iranian member of the Islamic Guard attempting or plotting to kill former National Security Advisor John Bolton. Apparently, the assassination attempt was to occur in Maryland or D.C. $300,000 was paid, according to the Justice Department, to put this into motion. The Iranian himself appears to be doing this from abroad. Early thoughts about hearing something this dramatic. Yeah, look, look John, I, I think what this represents is that what, what we've been talking about for a very long time, since, since the moment that, that this administration, the complete uh, debacle with Afghanistan, what have we been saying? We've been saying, one, is that the Afghanistan will once again return to a, to a safe haven uh, for terrorist organizations, that terrorist organization and terrorists across the globe, their commitment to continue to do harm to Americans, both here and abroad, is alive and well. Look, we just uh, uh, 
finally ended the life of a terrorist that was involved in the, the worst terrorist attack in this country. We know that the FBI just recently thwarted another terrorist attack to assassinate a former president by smuggling illegal aliens and terrorists through the wide open southwest border. I mean, when, when are we going to wake up? And, and here, here's the priorities of this administration. Here's why I'm so fired up, John, among many reasons. And, and the priorities of this administration, they want to hire 87,000 new IRS agents, but yet they don't want to increase a single agent in, in the agencies that are responsible for our national security and securing our border. Yeah, just remarkable. I want to ask about everything because this comes up with everyday Americans, and you're just a common sense bottom line guy. You know, you've worked in government. You know how it works. We see the Iranians trying to assassinate George W. Bush. That plot was just uncovered a couple months ago. Now, John Bolton, these are the same Iranians that were allegedly negotiating with in good faith to get a nuclear deal. How do we trust people to negotiate with when they're trying to kill our own Americans, by the way, on our own soil? Yeah, look, I go back to something uh, that, that I learned a long time ago is you don't you, you don't negotiate. And you can't negotiate with terrorists. Right. I mean, John, that's the that, that's the bottom line. I don't want to oversimplify it, but that's where we're at. And look right now, the reality is and, and I hate to make this political, but we have to face facts is right now that the, I look, I believe countries perceive America right now as weak. And the terrorists love weakness. That's what they look for. That's what they exploit. Yeah, it's it's just stunning to see what's going on. And um, I've talked to lots of foreign leaders, just talked to a couple of um, former ambassadors from Israel to the United States. They keep saying the same thing. People in Israel are worried because America clearly is not only appears weak, they believe that it is weak in its global handling. And this Iran thing just keeps accelerating. The more we try to negotiate and appease them, the more they seem to be acting up badly. It's such a crazy dynamic. And I think it's right. It goes back to the old rule. You don't negotiate with terrorists. That's right. John, if I can say, again, after 20 years of FBI is on the front lines of this, you know, after 9-11 is, look, that's why it was so important. That's why if you talk to a lot of people that have actually deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan, like myself, we understand the importance of, of of uh, agencies shifting from a reactive law enforcement agency only to a national security agency. And what we learned is about intelligence. And, and that's part of the issue is that we've given up, not only we perceive leak, it's just a, a colossal mess. Yeah, we're flying blind at a time when the danger level is perhaps as intense as it just before 9-11. It's really a scary moment. I normally I like to dive into the board, and I'm, we'll definitely finish up there today because the new statistics still scratch my head. Uh, you were in the FBI for a long time. Did you ever imagine in your lifetime you would see the FBI under the opposition president, the Democratic president, try to raid the home of the Republican opposition leader, the guy likely to run against the president? Never. Look, I served two decades in the FBI. I retired as assistant director, and I—, I Myself, and I can speak for a lot of colleagues that I've talked to over the past 48 hours that are, are shocked and dismayed. There's not enough adjectives to describe adequately how we feel. And because we spent, you know, so much of our, our lives dedicated to this organization, it's personal to us. And a couple of things very important for your listeners. Uh, within the FBI, within the Department of Justice, there's something called the DIOG, the Domestic Investigative Operation Guide. That, that guides how we conduct uh, uh, preliminary investigations and investigations. There's a section in there, John, that, that's about sensitive investigations. And of course, you know, you don't have to be an expert to realize that going after a target of politician is going to fall in with that sensitive investigation, as it should, because when you go after a politician, it's inherently going to be perceived as politics, right, and political. And so there is an extra degree of, of, of predication and an extra degree of sensitivity and an extra degree of oversight that goes into those. And, and part of the dialogue, it's in there that it's says, hey, you need to balance the seriousness of a crime and the impact to our democracy and the impact that the American people is going to have with respect to the erosion of, of the public's trust in the very organization that's conducting this investigation. That's why this has to, unless they show, unless the affidavit, unless the uh, director, uh, 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 Director Ray and the Attorney General, John, gets out there and says that this is because of a serious, high-level national security violation or a serious criminal violation. The mere fact that he had documents in there that he may or may not have had, it does not rise to that threshold. This is unconscionable. And if that's what it comes down, if this comes down to some documents he shouldn't have in his residence, the FBI's reputation, the Department of Justice will never recover from this.
Yeah, it's absolutely stunning to see what's going on. And I've heard from a lot of current agents saying this is mind-boggling. And one of the things that I've been able to confirm with reporting, this raid came while there were discussions going on between the archives, the Justice Department, and the Trump lawyers. There was a sense of cooperation. They were talking, trying to find a resolution. So to have the raid come at this moment seems odd because normally if you have a cooperative witness, you don't take the extreme measure to go do things What do you think is going on here? And I have a funny suspicion when I look at all of the timing. Let me just tell you one thing. When you look at the timing, President Trump recently stirred again to try to force the FBI to release those documents he declassified 19 months ago about Russia collusion. Every time he stirs, there seems to be a counteroffensive in this. Your thought about the FBI not wanting to give up the Russia collusion documents, remarkably, that the president declassified and and the Justice Department just chose not to release. Well, here's what I'll say, John. Look, be, because of this unprecedented look in our life, in, in the history of this country, a former president's residence has never had a search warrant served on it. So, because of this unprecedented action, because of this action is inherently perceived as political and weaponizing the FBI, it also calls for unprecedented transparency. So they can't hide under this umbrella what well, we don't talk about ongoing investigations. That's BS, John. So uh, they should be releasing the unsealed indictment and they, uh, an affidavit, and, and Director Ray and the, and the Attorney General should get out and have to answer the question. Because when they don't, then it opens themselves up to this speculation, and it's ongoing. I've also heard speculation that, hey, this is a mere fishing expedition uh, to, to get more information to support the January 6th investigation. So when they do this and they remain silent, it opens up for all the speculation that I think is justified. Yeah, it's absolutely remarkable. And I want to go to this interesting dynamic of when the FBI will comment on an investigation and when they won't. There's been a lot of this. um, uh, We we never talk about investigations, but I just called up on Google a couple times today. The number of times Chris Ray has talked extensively about the January 6th investigation, how many people they've arrested, what they're doing to facilitate the investigation. So he's had no problem talking in public and testimony in great detail about an ongoing investigation. But then if he's asked about Hunter Biden, oh, I can't talk about anything that might be ongoing there. Asked about the operations at the Mar-a-Lago, I can't talk about anything there. Why can a director get away with talking about some investigations when the elitist media wants to hear about them and then just clam up when other people want to hear about another investigation? It seems like a double standard when we look at it. It is. And here, here, here's why I think you see a lot of Americans outraged right now and why you had a lot of supporters go down to Mar-a-Lago. It, it, John, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it's not only that this also looks you know, inherently political, that they're going after a political rival, which is just just incredulous, but it's the disparity treatment, right, that, that we see going on. Remember, Comey started it. Comey in 2015 got out and talked about Hillary Clinton, right? I mean, it was the director of the FBI, right? He violated every single policy norm that we're talking about, about not talking about investigation. Oh, by the way, he did a really good job of laying out why Hillary should have been indicted, but they didn't indict. And, and, and look, and that was under President Trump. Right. President Trump didn't indict Hillary and, and, and enforce that, which I think he could have, you know, still to this day, Hunter Biden. Right. And, and let's look real quick. Let's go back just a little bit in time. Michael Flynn. They actually went after Michael Flynn for the Logan Act. I'm not sure that's ever been done. At the end of the day, then they, they get him for lying to the FBI. I can tell you after 20 years in the FBI, I can't tell you how many times we tried to get the Department of Justice to, to go after a, a, a gang member or a murderer for lying to the FBI, and they refused to do it. And, and then, of course, let's not forget about Hillary. You know, she bleached the, uh, thousands of emails. She had classified information on a server. And then back to Comey, he had unauthorized documents in his residence which he leaked to the media, John, and nothing happens to these individuals. So it's not just that this looks purely political, but it's also disparaging treatment from one party to the next. Yeah, it's really clear now. I mean, at some point, people think, I feel like it's disparate. When you look at it now, it's irrefutable, the disparate treatment. And I go back to some of the famous moments of the Russia collusion case. Two moments. I just want to ask you about these because you were in. You actually served. I've been blessed to deal with a lot of great FBI agents and executives over the year. There was a moment in the FBI investigation where a line agent by the name of Agent Barnett 
actually concluded there was no basis to keep investigating Mike Flynn. He writes the closed memo, and then the seventh floor overrules him, even though he's met every part of the diag that this should be closed down based on where we are. And he, he later tells the Justice Department when he's interviewed about why were you so concerned? Listen, they would say two people in a room and they would just call that a conspiracy like it was a bad game of Clue. He's talking about his bosses at the FBI. And then a second moment, same moment in the case, the supervisor for Barnett, the assistant director for counterintelligence, Bill Priestat, writes in those famous notes, what's our purpose here in trying to interview Mike Flynn? Are, are we uh, trying to get the truth, really, or is it really just to get him fired and charged? When you see contemporaneous agents, senior people like an assistant director, writing that in real time, witnessing what they are, it seems like the, the, the FBI has moved into a different rubicon, a different world of politics. Would you ever imagine writing that to yourself in, when you were in the FBI? Never, John. First of all, I agree with you. You're spot on. I couldn't say it better yourself about how you're representing what, how the FBI has fallen. But in my time, never. I mean, never what I've expected. Remember Peter Strzok, where well, he could like, smell the Trump supporters in Walmart. I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, I never ran across that in my career. I never ran across it until Director Comey takes charge of the FBI. And then we solely systematically seeing it being destroyed. Look, the, F, the, the public's trust in the FBI has already been eroded before this incident in Mar-a-Lago. Look, for the first time, John, and this is why I take this so personal, I, again, I spent two decades of my life in the FBI for the first time. Now, not only are they questioning the leadership of the FBI, but they're, they're, they're talking about two things which has not been done up until right now. They're actually talking about dismantling the FBI, and they're also now talking about that the rank and file are responsible for what's going as well as now. So now it's gone from leadership to now the rank and file is partly responsible. They should be objecting to now dismantling the FBI. That's where we're at. We've, it's, it's unbelievable how far we've fallen in just 18 months. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. And I want to ask about one element that has always fascinated me. It seems like many times since the Comey era, people fail upwards into the uh, FBI. And I'll give you just one example. The guy that's now in charge of the Washington field office as assistant director and special agent in charge, which, by the way, is one of the most prestigious jobs in all of the FBI, is a guy named Steve D'Antono. Before that, he's the guy that supervises the Detroit field office where two really extraordinary cases happened. You've got the failures of the Olympic sex scandal, right, where the FBI didn't properly investigate more women and young girls got sexually assaulted because of delay by the FBI. And then also they bring the case about Gretchen Whitmer, which we now believe from the way the jury ruled, the jurors had concerns about the FBI's conduct, and yet they keep moving up. How does the FBI move people into more and more positions when in their past position, there are legitimate questions about leadership ongoing? Yeah. So again, th these are fair questions. And I, I, there's really two answers real quick. One is, in, in really all federal agencies, there, there's always been an issue of what we call internal nepotism, right? Uh, where where you, you're getting promoted because it's who you know rather than your qualifications. So that that's always been a struggle in, in, in the organization. In my 20 years in the FBI, I saw some people that were being promoted that shouldn't have been, you know, the, the, the Peter Principle, right? Uh, but but what, what I see now, though, here here's what is devastating now. If you would have asked me even a couple of years ago, I would have said, hey, the, the Comey era, those issues were still at the top of the FBI. I still would say Director Ray is, is – I don't see him as political, but I see his, his strategy as ignorant and incompetent, right, of, of how he's actually running the organization, how he's allowing DOJ to use the FBI as a political pawn to further erode the public's trust in the agency they oversees. He's been completely lacking and incompetent in running the FBI, but here's what I will add. What I'm seeing now is that, that that wokeness and that attitude now is not at just the highest levels of the FBI. While I don't want to comment on a specific individual, I will say overall what I'm seeing is is that's getting further down the leadership chain into to the, the assistant director positions or special agent charge positions in the FBI. And once that happens, and that's what my colleagues are telling me is happening in the FBI, it's going to be hard to come back from that. So hard to hear because it's such a storied agency that's done such amazing work. You look at the work after 9-11. Obviously, they dropped the ball a little bit before 9-11, but the couple of years after that when Bob Mueller got in there, you saw some amazing recovery in, in the war against terror. Go back to the Unabomber, all the great cases. 
but people don't trust the FBI. And it's almost heartbreaking to hear that as someone who grew up in a cop's family and had FBI agents sleeping on my couch in the living room sometimes. It's just so sad to see the break in trust. It, it is, John. I could have said it better. I, I mean, I've used that same word for myself. It's, it's heartbreaking me for me to see this. But here's what I'll say. Look, I, I, I don't know if, again, if this, if this incident in Mar-a-Lago, if it is not significant, it, it is not beyond just clear and convincing with American people, I, I am concerned that the FBI's reputation will never be recovered. But this is what I'll say. I still believe at this moment, though, if you get the right leadership in there, they, they, they can turn around. They can regain the public's trust. Uh, I, I, I believe that at this moment, but, but um, that, that, that's waning. That, that potential is waning. I think Americans have a soft spot for the FBI. They want them to succeed because they keep us safe every day when we're sleeping. We know there are FBI agents on the front lines, but they got to solve this issue of politicalization. It's a really critical moment. I had an amazing interview on this show just two days ago. You know him, Rick Grinnell, the former DNI. And he told this anecdote for the first time on the show. I had never heard this anecdote. When he was DNI, he was trying to declassify some documents, again, remarkably about Mike Flynn. And the leadership, Chris Ray's leadership came to him and said, oh my God, the frontline agents are the one resisting this. You really shouldn't do this. They think this is gonna compromise their sources and methods. And so Rick said, well, I'll take that really seriously. Let me talk to the agents. Oh no, you, we can't let you talk to the agents. So he went and found the agents himself. He called them up and said, Tell me, tell me what the sources and methods are, because I'm missing it. I don't see it here. Like, sir, we're, we actually support these being released. We were ordered by our, our bosses to tell you something different, that we're actually opposing this. We're totally good with you releasing it. He said he was so shaken that Chris Ray's leadership had basically told these guys to lie or make play the game that he went to President Trump and said, you should fire Chris Ray right now. He's not serious about fixing the FBI. That's an anecdote he said on the record here that's the sort of thing, right? It's the, the gap between frontline guys that are doing the right thing and these political leaders now that seem to be off course. That's exactly right, John. What, what I say, what, what I'd also like to know, why there's got to be a congressional hearing and they should, this should be directed to Director Ray. I want to know, because we know that Director Ray, look, I've been doing this for a long time, Director Ray, the, the Attorney General, they approved this. this, this no uh, doubt. They have to, right? They would have to know the guy, right? Yeah. They, they would have to. They would have to. And so my conversation is the director. He had to have known. He's not a stupid man, John. He had to have known the blowback that 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 the very, as you said, that this rich agency that for for so long has been been known as the the, the premier law enforcement agency in the world. He had to have known that the reputation would be further destroyed and damaged for what? For some records that shouldn't have been his residence. No, he had to. I want to know what that conversation was. And if he didn't push back, because it's his job to protect the agents. It's his job to protect the reputation of the FBI. Why? And, and because to ensure the public's trust in this uh, 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 agency. And so I want to know what he said. Did he put his uh, a badge on the table? Did he, did he have a resignation in his hand? Because I can tell you, when, when I was the former ICE director and then uh, uh, acting uh, Secretary of DHS Kevin McAleen ordered me not not to do an operation to go after people that are here illegally. I had my resi resignation in my hand 30 minutes later. I was ready to resign because the secretary was not allowing me to do my job. I want to know, was the director, was he willing to do that? Did he do that? That's a great question. A really great question. We don't know because I think Chris Ray's on vacation right now. But Although the FBI director is never really on vacation. I'm sure he's at work every day. But we don't have answers from the FBI. It's such a great question. I only we got a couple minutes left. I want to flip to one of the other subjects that you always illuminate so brilliantly. The border. There's this extraordinary story that there are these children coming and they're getting separated from their parents. That's not what's going on right now. There's such a huge surge of unaccompanied minors. It looks like they're just being trafficked into the country by the human trafficking cartels. These aren't families trying to migrate here, right? This is institutional traffickers trying to move children into our country, it looks like. Am I reading this wrong? No, I, I would say it's a little, it's a D all the above, right? So so this is the one thing that we've been saying right now. I, I mean, I, and I haven't looked at the latest numbers, but I think in the first 18 months, I, I think we're getting close to 200,000 uh, unaccompanied minors, right? And so what we say is, is, is Joe Biden, has, his, his policies has been the single 
largest family separation policy that we've ever seen, except the family separation is just happening before they get to the U.S. border. That's a fact. But, but look, again, but, but John, you're right on. Look, you don't have to be rocket scientist, rock scientist to understand a border security expert that when you exponentially increase by four or 500% the number of illegal aliens, specifically unaccompanied minors, of course, of course, those being trafficked as well, not just smuggled, are going to increase. So, of course, you've got fake, you, you've got families that are coming as fake families that, that are renting, buying kids. We saw that back in 2019, and we, we, we stopped it because we stopped catching release, right? All that's back on. Hey, look, when, when illegal immigration increases, and when the smuggling of aliens in the country increases, so does the atrocities associated with trafficking. But, John, we talked about it before. So does the sexual abuse of children and, and young women coming up. We have, we have mothers and fathers giving their own 14-year-old daughter the morning after pill because they expect them to get raped on the journey up here. It's, it's just unconscionable. But this White House and the mainstream media will never talk about this, John. Never. Um, silence is complicity, right? And it's so amazing to watch legitimate committees of Congress members of Congress that have a constitutional right and obligation to oversight and their questions go unanswered for weeks, months, years at a time. Chuck Grassley has like four or five really important ones that haven't been answered in two years. Ron Johnson on the border, 10 or 20 things not answered. It seems to me that if Americans hire Republicans to run Congress next year, there's going to be quite a reckoning. It'll be interesting to see. Your thoughts on the election. What's at stake in this election? I know you're not a political guy. You're a law enforcement guy through and through. But there seems to be, for everyone, regardless of political stripe, a lot of importance in this next election. There is, and you're right. I, I, I like to stay away from the politics, but, but, there, there are, but it, it's, it's almost impossible to use the politics from what's happening because there's such a dichotomy, right? I mean, let's take the border. I mean, for, we went from the most secure border in our lifetime to the least secure border in a lot of time. We went, and now we're seeing violent crime skyrocket across this country. I, I mean, it's just unbelievable. So this election is, is critically important. This election is about, do we support the military? Do we support law enforcement? Do we support getting a handle on violent crime? Do we support caring more about the rights of victims rather than the criminals? Are we going to stop releasing criminals back in the streets because it falls under some wacko thought of social uh, justice reform? I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, we hear again and again and again about the increasing violence. And then let's go back to the border. I mean, every single day, criminal aliens are pouring in, drugs are pouring in, killing Americans every single day. Uh, so this is about regaining the safety and security of our borders and our national security as well. But, John, here's what I'll say, though, is that, that come November, and, and again, I hate to say it this way, but this is just fact. Once the Republicans take back the House, I don't know what, what's going to happen in the Senate. Well, it's time to hold Republicans accountable as well. And, and, and I don't know. I, I'm not 100 percent convinced that even if the Republicans take back the House and Senate, that they're going to do the right thing, because let's not forget – the, the, under President Trump, he had the White House, the House, and Senate, and they failed to pass significant meaning legislation to secure a border. They could have solved this bureau, put it in law, and we, Joe Biden wouldn't have the flexibility he has today. You're, you're so right. The Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell regime missed an incredible moment to solve something that was going to be inevitable because Democrats are already speaking in 17 what they wanted to do. You're exactly right. They, they were telegraphing that they were going to unsecure the border and jeopardize this country, and the Republicans still did nothing. Yeah, you're so right. Mark, that's why we love you so much on this show. We always get straight talk from you. We learn a lot. And today it was fun to delve into that FBI side of your career. So many powerful statements to learn about. Your service to this country is absolutely amazing. And we really appreciate your time today. You too, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, AMAC.us slash 
Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free social security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor-advised fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. A uh, big thanks to Congressman Scott and Mark Morgan for their incredible insights today. I want to also mention something. A lot of people got to hear John James yesterday for the first time on the podcast. I'm getting a lot of feedback on social and other places. People really liked him, a military guy, a businessman, a straight talker in a sea of hyperbolic crosstalkers. It is really exciting to see when you introduce someone and you have a long, thoughtful conversation with that person, how people react. Your reaction to that interview yesterday, very satisfying. Really enjoyed that. Also, if you missed it, Lou Dobbs on the TV show last night was amazing. Go back and watch that. A really amazing moment for that. All right, folks, before we go, I always like to shout out our great sponsors. I mentioned this yesterday, but a lot of people asked for it again. So we're going to mention it a second time today. How do they get to the special offer that My Patriot Supply has created for Just the News followers, John Solomon Reports followers? Well, they created a URL. This is hysterical. I got a URL with my name in it now. Preparewithsolomon.com. I'm not making it up. That is a real URL. Preparewithsolomon.com. That's how you get that $50 off on that incredible four-week supply of emergency food, 2,000 calories a day, three meals a day, three square. Pretty exciting. Uh, People are asking about that this morning. That's it. Preparewithsolomon.com. Share it with your friends. You're going to get 50 bucks off a four-week emergency food kit. I think you get $150 off with the same URL if you go for the three-month supply. That is a very, very gracious offer from my good friends at My Patriot Supply. And I'm going to throw another one at you because I love the incredible partners that we have on this show. It is summertime. Judy and I were on the back tech the other day having a glass of wine at sunset watching the 95 degree, 90% humidity weather go down behind the horizon, sipping on a cool wine. That was great. But you know what? I learned the hard way in the past. If you don't take care of your wine in warm weather, you leave it in the sun, you don't keep it chilled to the proper temperature, you allow it to spoil in the extreme heat of a car in a room where there's a lot of sunlight, you're going to open up a bottle of wine one day and have a fish face go, oh my God, that tastes terrible. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do it to your family or your friends, especially when you only have a few more weeks of summer fun to enjoy. Our friends at Wine Enthusiasts, my friends at Wine Enthusiasts, they design and offer the largest selection of wine coolers. And I mean, for any size collection, you might only have six bottles. Take care of them. Maybe you got 600 bottles. You're a hardcore wine enthusiast. Well, go to myfriendsatwineenthusiasts.com and go get the right solution Get it properly stored. They have experts there to help you. They're they're wine storage consultants. They're the best. Don't let a good bottle of wine, don't let a great summer night of fun get ruined by heat or sunlight, ruining that incredible 
bottle of wine you've been waiting to have. Get the white wine fridge. And by the way, you can get a whole lot more too. They have great wine accessories. They make great gifts. I love that. They've got glassware. They've got furniture, of course, the wine storage and the coolers. So many things to do. Go to wineenthusiast.com. That's one of the places you can go. Or my favorite thing to do, kind of get to use my name twice in the same show. I'm starting to feel vain. Text the word John, J-O-H-N, to 511-511. If you text the word John, my first name, to 511-511, you're going to get a text back. They're going to give you all of the special wine enthusiast summer savings that you're going to get only because you love this podcast and you're a member of the Justin News family. Go check it out. It's worth it. Now, certain exclusions may apply. You're going to, you may receive up to one additional text message. That's important to know. Of course, you got to check with your phone carrier. Text fees may apply. And of course, you can text the word stop anytime to opt out. But I'm telling you, this is a great deal. You might be thinking about late summer birthdays, back to school celebrations for parents. Maybe give a gift to one of your friends as a gag or to make them smile with the kids going back to school. Wineenthusiast.com. They've got it all. All you got to do is text my name, J-O-H-N, John, to 511-511 to get started on the incredible summer savings program they've created for us here. All right, folks, that wraps it up. Big thanks to all of our guests. Thank you for you, to you and for you, for listening and making Just the News and John Solomon Reports a destination. Your trust, your support, your support of our advertisers, sponsors, and partners is deeply appreciated. We try to earn your trust every day with exclusive stories and transparency in our journalism. That's why we got the digging tool. I just want to say thank you for you. Sometimes I feel like I take you for granted. I don't want you to ever feel that way. All of you in this great country mean so much to me. Thanks for listening. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, God bless you and God bless this extraordinary country of the United States of America, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from justthenews.com. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.